What's up, sober family? Welcome to I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye, the podcast for newly sober people learning to love ourselves instead of booze. You know, it's a Tuesday and the sun's shining and you think, fuck, I feel like a drink. You just play it forward and go, okay, cool. Well, what's that going to look like? Because you know one, oh, just have one because there's a sneaky bitch inside your head. Just have one, you'll be right, you know. Yeah. You can moderate. Don't ever think we can moderate. If you're questioning your alcohol level, it means that you can't moderate. I I tried that old chestnut. It doesn't work. Today, my guest is Allie Burke. She is an alcohol-free party in a pair of pants, and she is from Perth, Australia. She is my first guest from the Southern Hemisphere, and I'm super excited for you to hear her sober story. It's going to motivate you and inspire you wherever you're at on your sober curious or alcohol-free journey. I'm your host, Dana Kroll. I'm a former Army chaplain who developed a toxic relationship with alcohol after leaving the military. I stayed on a roller coaster of rock bottoms, recoveries, and relapses until finally, in the winter of 2022, I found my way out of the cycle by connecting with people like you. After kissing alcohol goodbye, my goal is to never go back, but I can't do it alone, so let's break up with booze together. With me in the studio, as always, are Al K. Halfrey, my spirit animal for sobriety, and Spruce, my PTSD service dog. And before we get rolling, I just want to quickly say that if you're new to sobriety and looking for a group of people to be your sober community, please come join the I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye Sober Family Facebook group. The link is in the show notes, or you can search Facebook groups for I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye. And now let's get rolling with Allie. So yeah, Al and Spruce and I are super excited to have you and just excited to hear your sober story and you know, hear the message of uh, hope and encouragement you have for for listeners. Thanks for having me. It's yeah. um, being in Australia. It's um, such a cultural norm to be a heavy drinker. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, like as I was explaining, it's thirty five degrees. So after you know a hard day at work, it's it's just a given that you know. Beer, especially, is just such a go-to for many Aussies mm-hmm. um, because that's basically what we were taught as kids. You know, you see your dad come home and crack a beer, and it's just that. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, we're swimming upstream. So you know, that's why I want to get the message out that um, you know you can have a, a cold, non-alcoholic, um, bubbly water or champers or beer they've got really great beers nowadays and you know still have that (sighs) refreshing aftertaste but anyway we'll get into that later i'm sure yeah and so tell me how long have you been how long have you been sober and then like what was the story behind that of um you know when did you start drinking and then what what led you to stop i've been sober since the 20th of june 21 so okay. just over 15 months. Awesome. Um, I started drinking like most uh, people um, in their teens. So I, um, you know, school trying to fit in. I was uh, I'm chronic asthmatic when I was growing up. Um, so in and out of hospital <clears throat> and very, I'm the youngest of seven. Okay. I do have a twin brother. So he... Uh, when, I, when we were born, I he went home and I stayed in the Hemi crib and there goes that attachment to that feeling of abandonment, mm. you know, that, um, that, that, you know, the trauma and stuff like that starts early. So, um, yeah, so from there I, you know, grew up um, feeling a little bit, you know, I used humour to 
<laughs> hello, I'm here. Yeah. Um, because, you know, mum, bless her, you know, feeding nine people. There's two sets of twins in our family and another, oh, wow. another sibling. She was also a chronic asthmatic. We had bedwetters. I was a bedwetter. Like, you know, throw the book at mum and dad for, um, you know, dealing with what they could and, you know, they did the best they could, but I still felt very um, alone, I guess, and even in such a big family. So when I got to school, you know, I kind of, um, yeah, I mean, look, I was liked and stuff, but I was extremely skinny um, just due to my nature. I mean, I'm still slim now, thankfully. It's genetics, but at the time when you're growing up, you know, you're looking at these voluptuous <laughs> um, girls and I was just not that. I, I was a total tomboy. Um, still am, but um, yeah. So we, I played volleyball at quite a high level. So when we, I had old, well, I also had an older brother, so I had access to alcohol. I'm 52, so in the 80s, I mean, it was free, we were free range kids. We could, we were buying mum and dad cigarettes for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you could smoke everywhere. Everybody drank. So you know, there's no, um, you just go to the fridge and grab out dad's beers and go to the park and get drunk with your mates. So it started there and I kind of, when I had alcohol for the first time, you know, it was just that, I'm sure I spewed and stuff like that, but it generally made me just feel like I was pretty, I was attractive, I could talk to boys, even though I was actually pretty confident in talking to boys because I had brothers. But, yeah, it just made me feel really confident, I guess, because I was just so – so I left school early-ish. I I didn't graduate. I left a year before graduation and um, kind of like mum and dad separated and divorced when I was 12. Mm. And just I remember changing schools at um, sort of in primary school and I just had no confidence. I was just scared of everything, like just – couldn't catch the bus like if I did. I had to catch the bus, but I was just terrified and didn't want to miss the stop. So I was just scared of um, being left, I think. So mm. then I, you know, so when I found alcohol, it was that fitting in. I felt amazing, you know. I thought, mm. wow, it gives you confidence. You know, alcohol does work until it doesn't. <laughs> right. right. <Pretty> much. <laughs> it yeah. does its job and then it doesn't, um, yeah. you know. So it was a progressive thing. So, yeah, I, so, yeah, long story. I, I started when I was sort of 15. Uh, Dad owned a pub, actually, um, and I didn't actually drink too much there. Um, I certainly gave it a, a crack and I did start smoking which as a freaking asthmatic, you know, there goes my, you know, I just didn't have any self-worth, but, again, it's fitting in. So, yeah, I remember smoking and drinking, starting that up. Um, Then I left home at 16, Um, far too young. I didn't want to, but mum had started in a new relationship Um, and he was a great guy, but, you know, there's me again, like, I just felt, well, well, mum doesn't care and, um, so I left home and I travelled to a really far away place in the top of uh, WA, um, just running away from myself. So I went with a girlfriend who was my age, but boy, she looked bloody 21 and we were 16. Mm-hmm. So she, we went straight to the pub. There's just no questions of ID. So yeah, got pissed, met a few guys, not sexually, but. You know, she found she sort of got work and I didn't because I was just so 
just didn't have any confidence. So I ended up leaving there and then coming back to Perth and then just bumming around really, find, going from job to job, um, meeting like-minded heavy drinkers. Uh, again, my brother, um, he was, you know, he had all, he was a couple of years, a few years older than me, so I had to go to nightclubs with him, pubs, and mum would be like, because I was with my brother, she didn't, she was like, okay, cool, but she didn't realise that, you know, I was out partying and drinking. Yeah, so that basically was my lot, you know, I just literally travelled Australia with another guy, like my sort of first long-term relationship and I got into smoking pot with him and taking other sort of recreational drugs but alcohol was always, you know, well, everyone I met was a heavy drinker because that suited me because, mm-hmm. you know, that's what you do. You gravitate to people that are um, pisses just like yourself. Yeah. Because then neither of us are questioning each other's drinking and, again, it's such a cultural thing that if you... If you go out and you, you know, you stay up till four o'clock in the morning partying and wake up and can't remember, and you're you're a freaking legend. <laughs> I mean, it's just the way it is, you know. Don't we all sit yeah. around talking? Oh shit, what did you do last? Oh fuck, I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's it's like this badge of honor. Like, you know, yeah. the higher you go, the harder you go, the freaking the the more um, cred you get, you know. So I took that. You know, with gusto, that's probably the one thing that I did, you know, really (laughs) focus on was how much, I mean, I could drink. So I sort of went into my 20s, I broke up with that long-term partner and went into, because I'm a tomboy, I went into landscaping, working on the tools. I could drink the boys Mm -hmm. under the table because, again, we work hard, play hard. So I went out of that. <clears throat> into working in the mining industry. Oh wow! Ah, hello. Um, <clears throat> more, more um, tomboy activity and drinking. Um, like that was just a license to get paid to drink. Really. Yeah. I was in ex- I was in exploration, so I, we would travel and work. We wouldn't be on a mine site as such. So, yeah, you could just drink whenever you wanted to, really. So that again, that suited me, and then um, I sort of got out of that because they brought in. That was in the mid nineties, and then they brought in a um, drug and alcohol policy because you know again we had free range until sort of like the industry and the world kind of realised oh you know we've got to put some rules around crazy miners. So yeah. they brought in the um, drug and alcohol testing, and I was just like oh well I'm out. Because I don't, you know, like I don't want to be tested for. I, I was smoking pot, which stays in your system longer. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I thought I chose pot and piss to leave a well-paid job because that interrupted my partying. So I went out of that and sort of became a ranger. Actually, I kind of um, while I was working for my in the landscaping, I, we had a stray dog. And on our sort of work site, and I always had, like I've always had an affinity with um, dogs especially, and I had my own dog who went everywhere with me. And anyway, we, we did the job over a few weeks and this dog wouldn't go to anyone else but ourselves. My brother wouldn't take the dog back to the yard. 
So I said, well, what do we do with this dog? So anyway, we called the ranger. And so I spoke to the guy and I said, oh, how do you become a ranger? Thinking, oh, you have to go to university. I'd already had that limiting belief, like, uh, yeah, I couldn't do that. And he said, oh, you got to go to, it's a different type of study. It's called TAFE. So it's quite medium level study. He said, you go to TAFE and da, da, da. And I thought, I can do that. And I did it. And then, yeah, became a, um, found myself in a, um, working for local government uh, as a ranger and I love it and I've been doing that pretty much on and off for the last 18 years. Is that sort of what your question? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, yeah, I, I, got, I got, yeah. That's yeah, perfect. That's sort of like my my drinking. I mean, I, I got married to a um, very heavy drinker who I now he's a raving alcoholic. Um, I was married to him for... 16 years so that broke down in 2019 I finally had the courage to go I can't do this anymore you know I um even though I was a massive drinker mm. yeah, there was always that's there's always been a part of me that's just like you're better than this you're better than this and um yeah so that marriage kind of um we had a daughter she's now 17 and a half and um, yeah, it was it was an unhealthy marriage, but something that I, we needed to do. I mean, I tra- we travelled the world, lived in France and England, lots of good bits, but eventually, alcohol just was too big a issue in our marriage. To that, it, you know, I just had enough. So, so tell yeah. me about those couple of years after the divorce. And I know that that kind of coincides with COVID. So maybe that's part of the story too, but I'm curious to hear, you know, you had a couple more years where you were drinking there. So tell me about that period. Oh, that, that ramped up like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I was, as I said, look, I, I, you know, again, I sort of take ownership on my, my drinking. And, and again, like when it comes, we, we choose people that are just as, enjoy their alcohol. I mean, that, that was part of our, um, you know, all my partnerships. We, um, you know, we can sit around and drink. I mean, that's a that's part of a bonding thing, you know, like couples sit around and, oh, yes, darling, let's have a wine. But we were never that. It'd be like, let's have a, uh, let's have one drink, but it just wouldn't ever start at the stop at one or two. We're just eventually, yeah, we're binge drinkers. So, um work hard, play hard, you know. Um, so, we, yeah, um, I got, I, I did have a couple of bouts of sobriety to sort of 2015. I said to him I, on Mother's Day, actually, <laughs> I said, I can't do this anymore. I want to I want to separate, you know, because he was a, as much as he's an alcoholic, he, he had um, mental health issues and, you know, he was quite depressed. Um so we actually broke up and I went and saw a hypnotherapist and I actually gave uh, so pot, cigarettes and alcohol up. It worked for about four months and my wow. daughter and I, um, yeah, and he, the ex moved out of our family home and it all just seemed to be like, oh, wow, because I was so scared. I mean, we had mortgages and, you know, it's mm-hmm. a lot of people reason why we stay is financial you know and me having that lack mentality or no courage I stayed 
I stayed, I stayed, I stayed because I thought, well, I can't do this on my own. But for some somehow in 2015, we separated mutually. He moved out. Then my daughter and I, we went overseas back to France and England to see all our friends. I stayed sober um, and then not meaning to. Actually, I, I, I tell a lie. I think I had a few nights in France where, you know, I was like, oh, fuck it, I'm going to have yeah. a drink because I really wasn't. I was actually giving up cigarettes. That was my main goal. Okay. And because smoking and drinking are like salt and pepper. Yes, they I are. Figured, so, yeah, I think I got, yeah, I definitely had drinks, but I didn't smoke cigarettes. But anyway, I missed our flight home back to Australia. Oh, wow. And I've never, ever done that. And it, it just, like, I was just, I didn't know what to do, you know. But then, so I went, like, I went to the airport, sorted it out, was trying to sort it out, and then um, I saw a guy, he was actually from Canada, he was rolling a cigarette, and, of course, I was like, oh, my God. So I walked over, I said, hey, mate, because <laughs> I rolled cigarettes. That was my go-to. And I said, hey, mate, can I buy my cigarette off you? And he's like, yeah, sure, well. So I quickly rolled two cigarettes, and I didn't realise my daughter was watching. She was 10 at the time. And as uh... I said, I was, I was giving up cigarettes. Mm-hmm. So I shoved them in my thing, but then I went straight to the bar. That was my go-to, straight to the bar, down a few shots of, I don't know, Bacardi or whatever. Had that beautiful feeling of ah, everything's going to be all right now. Um, had the yeah. cigarettes in me, had full well. I knew exactly what I was going to get up to when I got to the hotel. Put her to bed, said, oh, I'm just going to go downstairs for a minute. Straight into the smoker's lounge with my Jack Daniels and Coke and chain smoke, like sucked the guts out of these smokes. So much so I nearly, it was like when I was 15, I, I had spins, felt sick going back up the elevator, I smelt my hands, I smelt my mouth. I actually wanted to spew. Mm. And then I said to myself, I will never smoke again. And then in the morning my daughter, I thought again, you know, she didn't know, and she said, oh, did you have those cigarettes, Mum? And I'm like, uh, what do you mean? She goes, don't do it, you know, you're better than that. And that's actually the last time I smoked cigarettes, but I ended up on the vape. So that's oh. my new conquer is getting rid of the vaping. However, so then I, I so we went back to Perth and I guess and I went straight through the bloody duty free, bought two bottles of whatever. Yeah. Went back to the husband. Ooh, and then <laughs> we didn't talk about anything. It was just business as usual. And now then we then when we got back together, we freaking um decided it would be a good idea to um make moonshine. Oh wow. Oh yeah, as a hobby. Okay. I mean, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Like, seriously, we couldn't have, you know, thought of something else that was positive. No. Again, you know, this alcohol was so ingrained in our relationship and our lifestyle. We're our friends, so the mummy wine culture, you know, our friends every Friday night, they'd come over. You know, it was all sort of tempered as like or, you know, disguised as we'd make. We actually did make some pretty good stuff. Um, but, yeah, it was like, oh, try this new version of like Drone Bui, you know. So everybody was coming to our house, A, for the free liquor and B, that's just what we did because we hang, hung around with the same type of drinkers. Yeah. So that really ramped up. I mean, I... I've done another podcast. I was drinking, I could drink a litre 
of moonshine if we went out to a party. So sort of about 2018, I'd come home from a conference and they talked about mental health and I was miserable, like just fucking miserable. And this lady was on stage talking about mental health and I broke down and cried and I I drove home thinking, that's it, I'm going to go home and I'm going to tell my husband it's over. So I, I had the courage and I was all set, ready to go, and I get home and he was sitting in the lounge room crying and really upset and I'm like, oh, you know, what's wrong? And he said, um, I was going to kill myself. I'm like, what? Wow. And I literally sucked all that back in and I said, so, he, yeah, we have, he, ha- he, he has rifles and guns in the house. Um, you know, we went, used to go shooting. We had a property, a farm. Mm-hmm. So that's what he was going to do. And I, like... I just sucked it all back, put him people pleaser, put put all my shit in, stuffed it down, you know, got him to the doctor. But, you know, he took a pill. I said, go to therapy, nah, 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 and he just continued to drink. I had my own rock bottoms. Before I met him, I'd lost my licence, my driver's licence three times through alcohol. And so I had to do a liver function test. And so I did all the right things. Like I didn't drink. I got my, you know, like I did all the steps to get my licence back and as soon as I got my licence back, back to drinking like a fish, you know. And my family were worried, you know, when I was young, 20s, you know, they were like, Ali, you know, and I also just saying my name actually, like AA, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous. I used to laugh and joke and say, Alcoholic Ali. That was my belief of myself. I was a party girl, you know. Big drinking, tomboy, living the life that I want to live. But really, inside, I was just screaming for um, love and stability. And then, with my marriage, it finally broke up in um, 2019 on the 1st of April, April Fool's Day. It was just shit. So, my alcohol, my trusted friend, alcohol, was there, ready to pick me up and wrap me up. And I fucking drank and drank and drank because that's all I knew. I just, yeah, drank and smoked pot like there was no tomorrow. Um, then I ended up going on stress leave and, and sort of getting a bit of counselling through work. And my daughter as well, she uh, was at the age, so she was about 14. I dropped the ball with her. She was out, I didn't even know, she was out drinking. You know, of course, she's a teenager like me, you know, getting her in Ubers because I was too pissed to pick her up myself. So looking at my pattern of behaviour, and I did end up a couple of times I actually bought her alcohol and I thought, hang on, whoa, 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 I am not your friend, I'm your parent. This is just some real aha moments of my, what this could look like. So I rang a girlfriend I said, this is, this is fucked. Like, I really don't know how to stop the cycle for myself. Um, but alcohol is definitely the, I want to just, I need to get rid of it because it's just not serving me anymore, making poor choices and um, it's affecting. I want my daughter to see that you don't need alcohol to have a good time or to commiserate or to, you know, go through life. That's not a good support that you need. You need to to dig a bit deeper and rely on yourself without numbing yourself out. So, yeah, I just made a phone call and then my girlfriend that I went to school with, she does quantum healing. 
So it's really deep hypnosis. She's also a counsellor as well. And on the 4th of June last year, and I, I, I started being a bit sober curious in May. So pretty much May 21, I hardly drank. But then every, just one day out of every few weeks, I just think, oh, and I'd drive through the bottle shop and I'd come home and I'd drink a bottle of shampoos and have a cone and I'd, damn it, you know, get back on the, get back on the thing, you know, that fucking cycle. And then so I rang her, went down there. She lives in a beautiful town and had like a therapy. So she, we, we taught uh, bright questions for our, um, what you want to tell your subconscious. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. So did that, cried and just, yeah, really just unleashed. And then I was under hypnosis for about um, nearly two hours. Mm. And I have not fucking drunk since. Wow. And that's been almost, yeah, 17, almost 18. By the time this airs, it'll be. Well, uh, actually, actually, I did, like I knew something had shifted and I had a, so that was the 4th of June. And then on the 19th of June, I had a work colleague's wedding. And weirdly enough, like I think she must have said something in my subconscious that, you know, you, you'll have that wedding and then you won't drink again because I went to the wedding and I bloody drank. But, again, you know, that old pattern. Yeah. I stay, I was a, one of the last ones up, you know, having this false fun, you know, wake up in the morning and, the, again, that drive home, it was full of, A, I didn't want to get pulled over by the police because I was probably still drunk, and yeah. just that feeling. And I thought, said out loud, I will never feel like this ever again, and I haven't drunk ever again. So that's why I've made it the 20th of June because, yeah, I, I, I just, yeah, I've never had that hangover or feeling of shame or feeling of worry that I'm going to get pulled over or anything like that, and I'm just so grateful and thankful that something in me you know I just it was just the right time and the right place I don't know I kind of call it a little bit spontaneous sobriety because Mm. I I don't I do get triggers look trust me you know for all those people out there going to be googling hypnotherapists like fuck yeah I just want to do that I mean now I'm thinking I might do it for my vaping you know my, my nicotine but I'm slowly using I'm using the tools that I've learned so so I haven't drunk and I, I kind of like, I did it all on my own. I didn't tell anyone really. Um, my daughter, I told her before I saw my girlfriend down there, I said to her one night, I said, um, oh, I'm going to give up drinking for a year. And she had a little phone and Snapchat or whatever. Says, oh, bullshit, mum, you couldn't give up for a month. And I said, well, watch this space. And so on my sober bursary on the 20th of June 2022, I banged on her door because it was early in the morning and I was like, you know what day it is today? She's like, yeah, I know. And I said, it's my one-year anniversary, girlfriend. Like, woo! And she's so proud. Like, I just feel so much more, um, I'm just so present. And I've forgiven myself because, uh, you know, like, yeah, there were some times there, like a lot of mums, you know, which is why people don't quit drinking is, the fear of missing out, the fear of not being bored, the fear of losing those friendships. But but when you sort of 
scale it back. I mean, I, which I know a lot of women can relate, like, or even men, you know, like when the kids are young, you know, like they're a pain in the ass if you want to, you're out the back getting into the flow of drinking and they're like, oh, mum, you know, can you read me a story or can I've got this homework or, and you're like, oh, shit, you know, yeah, okay, okay, and you bring your wine in or you, I didn't, I didn't really drink wine, vodka was my poison, but, <clears throat> you know, you'd always have that little bit of resentment, you know, like, yeah. oh, fucking, yeah. she's cutting into my drinking time, like, how dare you, or netball or, you know, the school play or oh, it's so, yeah, you, I've, you have to forgive yourself because, you know, otherwise you just go crazy. But, you know, like that's what alcohol takes away. You know, that was more important to me than my fucking kid. Yeah. Like I gave it so much credit. Yeah. Not anymore. Not anymore, man. Like. I'm present, I'm aware, I'm a, and, again, like having this, I can pick her up. Like that's the joy of being sober as well. Like, you know, I've driven her to parties, but that, that was always okay. But, you know what, ring me and I can pick you up. And I have lovingly, joyfully driven, oh, you know, mm. in my pyjamas, like, hell yeah. And then that shows her that. You know, like, yeah, okay, for the first few months. So when I gave up, it was, it was winter um, in, in Perth. So I did, I did go into hermit mode um, and really did some work on, you know, and it's the whys on why we drink. And it was soothing that inner child, soothing that inner critic, numbing. I had miscarriages, numbing pain, numbing failure, just whatever you want to numb it with, that's what I was using. And so, yeah, of course, when you take alcohol away, it's not all rainbows and unicorns. I did find myself rocking in the corner in my dressing gown going, oh, my God, you know. (laughs) But you come out of it and it's actually not that scary, but it's, um, it's just so more liberating and free. I don't have those, especially don't have that, that thought, should I drink today or shouldn't I? Will I drink today or won't I? You know, also like going out, like when we used to drink, it was like this whole big fucking plan of how we're getting there and how we're getting home, you know. Right, yeah. Like it was because my drive, I mean, shit, my ex couldn't fucking drive, so, you know, I wasn't not going to drive. I deserved not to drive. I mean, the time, obviously I didn't drink when I was pregnant, but. You know, even when I was pregnant, he was just like stoked because I, I would drive everywhere. But, you know, so that was such a big mental thing like, oh, you know, we'd all be on Snapchat. Oh, who's going to drive tonight or who's not? Uh, now I just like fucking get in my car and drive. Mm-hmm. It's just so freeing and liberating that. What uh, what would you say? Thank you for sharing your story. Like this is so <laughs> powerful. This is awesome. Um I, I'm curious to hear, uh, so this is the podcast for newly sober people who are learning to love ourselves yeah. instead of booze. And yeah. we are newly, so I'm more newly sober than you are. So um, what would you say, what, what's something that you do to love, show love to yourself? How do you, how do you, um, in sobriety, how, how important has it been for you to learn to love. You talked about forgiving yourself, but I would love yeah, to hear more about yeah. that and how do you show love to yourself at the year yeah. and a half mark of your sobriety? 
Yeah, look, um, well done for for doing it, you know, for, for keeping up, waking up every day. Wake up every day and just think, hey, so I do have a great a, a journal, so I journal. Okay. Um, so, yeah, when, uh, you know, at the start it's just, well, basically waking up and going, patting yourself on the back because you didn't drink the night before. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just like kudos to me. So you set the intention for the day that, like, hell yeah, like I felt like it. There was those the triggers or, you know, of course, you, I mean, I drank for 40 years. Of course it's not going to be, I can, like, uh, I'm never going to think about it again at the start. Yeah. 100% yeah. you do. But you learn to, um, you play it forward. That's a massive one that I learnt with um, Danny is you play the tape forward. So save the night before, like you can, you know, like someone rings up or you've got a party or whatever, you just, you know, it's a Tuesday and the sun's shining and you think, fuck, I feel like a drink. You just play it forward and go, okay, cool. Well, what's that going to look like? Because, you know, one, I'll just have one because there's a sneaky, the sneaky bitch inside your head. Just have one. You'll be right. You know, yeah. you can moderate. Yeah. Don't ever think we can moderate. If you're questioning your alcohol level, it means that you have a, you know, you need to, you can't moderate. I, I tried that old chestnut doesn't work. And then there's so many rules against that. I won't anything. I'll I'll just have water in between. So in answer to your question, play the tape forward every day of the week and go, okay, what's that going to look like if I have that one? Because one's going to turn into two. Then two's going to turn into half a bottle. And then you're going to go back. Then you're going to wake up in the morning full of hate for yourself and and it's going to be, see, you did it again. You're useless. You're not strong at all. You, you don't deserve it. Just just drink, you know. You can't do it. You're not good enough. No, man, you're good enough. I do, like I've sort of learnt to meditate, even though, like, as I was saying for years before that, you know, yeah, you should meditate. I, I fuck off. I don't know how to meditate. I'm, yeah. I'm monkey brain. Oh, yeah. I'm too strong. But. Actually, I've learned you just listen to the breath. So that was a good takeout, like breathing techniques. Yeah. Because I've been using these things for nicotine, you know, like if you feel the craving, breathe because it only lasts 20 seconds. Yeah. You know, it really does. And then yeah. you snap out of it, breathe, heavy breaths, and then you question why do you feel like that cigarette? Why do you feel like that drink? What do you want to escape from? Question, why do you feel like that drink? Maybe it's a, it's a habit. Oh, well, I've got a new habit now and that ain't drinking. Yeah. So, yeah, just back yourself and just the more time you have, which I'm sure you've found and felt, the prouder and the natural dopamine comes through of you're just so proud of yourself because we are swimming upstream because mm-hmm. every bastard drinks. Like, far <laughs> out. Like, seriously, like, I remember watching Homer Simpson and I think he only gave up for, like, you know, not even a night. And he'd be driving yeah. and it was like Budweiser, yeah. Corona, fucking Jim Beam. I mean, it's yeah. everywhere. And it's, everywhere. it's like if you if you buy a car or you'd like to think, oh, I'd like to buy a, I'm actually thinking I want to manifest a BMW. Well, Christ, I see those bastards everywhere. It's the same if you're thinking about drinking it. Don't think you're giving it up. 
that's a huge, actually, that's top of mind. Change your mindset. You're not giving it up. You're gaining. So if you're thinking, oh, fuck, no, I can't drink or I'm going to this party and everyone's going to drink and I can't, man, change the record because it's you're not giving up. You're just not, man. Like that is, it just changed the mindset because yeah. you don't give power, don't give alcohol that fucking power. It's it's a toxic liquid that has kept you back. Like it's kept, it's lost my license. It's lost relationships. It's lost a bond with my child. It's it's lost a shit ton of stuff. So why give it so much credit? Don't give yeah. it any credit. You know, like I've got a second chance at life now and, and alcohol, like I don't even, I had my birthday this year, so that was my soberversary and I I question it because it was a year mm-hmm. and I and I did. I thought for a second, I thought, well, you know, it's my birthday, it's been a year, I might just get drunk and with my brother and, you know, have a, had that party like, Let's get obliterated and then I'll just get back on the wagon. And I tell you what, Donna, it was like a moment, a fleeting thought, and I thought, why the fuck would I do that? Mm. I can do it. And I actually had an awesome birthday that I remember. I woke up in the morning at dawn, watched the sunrise and went, you know, fuck yeah, I'm alive. And I and I had a, such a great birthday and you can, the more you do it, the easier it is. And the more you think, I'm actually, I'm a really good listener now. I'm not, I'm not angry all the time. Like I was really starting to get angry because I was always hungover and irritable and poor me and fuck you. And I just said, I was just angry and I never actually thought that I was. Like, yeah, I, I thought, no, no, I'm a nice preserved <laughs> level-headed woman, but actually, no, I, I was actually turning into a real bitch. So mm. since that, you know, my friends and family have said, wow, you're actually calmer and you've got more patience and that's what ditching alcohol has done. It's just taken away that angst because I'm not having a fight with myself. That's probably why I was angry because I was always arguing with myself. Should I? Shouldn't I? Why oh, you fucking yeah. drank again? You're an idiot. Oh, just I don't have that in my head. So yeah, honestly, peeps, just if you're sober curious, just even just start for just do a month, man. Like, and just don't think, oh, I've got a wedding or I've got, um, you know, it's Christmas coming up. There's always going to be an excuse. Trust me, there's always yeah. going to be an excuse. And just think, you know, I'm a trailblazer. I am swimming upstream, and I literally have got that Instagram is. I don't drink full stop because I'm sick of people questioning. It's the only legal drug. We have to question why we're not doing it. Like, what? Oh, you're not drinking. And I used to always say, especially in the beginning, it's good to have a plan. Like I used to say, which was a good, you know, because I'm too old to say I'm pregnant. Um, I used to say um, I'm doing a a one-year no beer challenge. That would stop people in their tracks. Anyway, yeah. yeah. No, that's. <laughs> Does that answer your question? <laughs> yes, it did. No, I actually don't. I didn't. This oh, was wonderful. Like, really yeah. great. Thank you so much for sharing your story and for uh, being willing to take time out to 
to inspire. And I, so your Instagram at, at I don't drink full stop. Is there any other way? Is that a good way for people to get in touch with you? If they've been inspired by your story, they can reach out to yep. you there. Yeah. And the same, uh, the same name is on uh, Facebook. Okay. Well, this was awesome. Ali, thank yeah. you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye. Until next time, Al, Spruce, Ali, and I send you our best sober vibes, and we say goodbye alcohol, and hello life. Much love to you all, and peace.